Hello, and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 379. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hello. This week on the show, we'll be wrapping our minds around Charlie Kaufman's latest I'm Thinking of Ending Things. We'll also be going over some of the Watch Gun Watch lists and this week's new releases on VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be super helpful. Uh, just one bit of housekeeping news to go over. New Say by the 90s is out now, so you can find that on your podcast platform of choice. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever. Whatever one you, you like. It's out now. We talk about August martial arts action movies, including Double Impact, Hard Target, Surf Ninjas, and Only the Strong. Really fun episode, so check, check that out. Uh, with that, I think we can dive straight into our review. I'm thinking of ending things. Directed by Charlie Kaufman. I have a synopsis here. Nothing is as it seems when a young woman experiencing misgivings about her new boyfriend joins him on a road trip to meet his parents at the remote farm. This is on Netflix, so you can check it out if you have a Netflix subscription. Kevin, we'll start with you. What were your initial impressions of I'm thinking of ending things? Oh, initial impressions. This from the outset, it uh for me it was a little bit grating because it's heavy, heavy dialogue. Just tons of dialogue. That opening sequence of them in the car, man. Just, just a lot of dialogue that I wasn't really getting into, to be honest. And <clears throat> the whole um, kind of flashing to the janitor very early on made it, to me, very apparent as to what was going on. Uh, I knew immediately. So, like. Like yeah, like the entirety of it, the entirety of it just felt like a pointless exercise. And, you know, and then, you know, he gets cute with the, the subtle changes and, you know, what she's wearing and all that shit. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't care. Like, it, it felt as though, like, he was trying to make up for the fact that, like, okay, I have to keep things, like, somewhat visually interesting because there's really nothing going on here. Outside of like we're we're in this man's, uh, you know, memory, his mm-hmm. psyche, yeah. whatever the hell you want to call it. Yeah, we're in his thoughts. And, yeah, and it's just I don't know. Again, it's just a pointless exercise to me. There were moments I thought that once, like within the script, like moments where he's kind of taking it seriously, and he was kind of getting that like this this loneliness, this this inherent sadness of this man. And when he brushed up against that poignancy, it worked for me. But a lot of it just did not work at all. It just felt like a sad sack story where it was like, oh, woe is me. Mm -hmm. My life is awful. And you're just like, okay. And then, you know, they try and tie it up at the end or, you know, the through line of like, oh, you got to find the sympathy. So, yeah. I get, I get it. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. It just, it's just too showy for me. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Like I watched this last night and you know, it, it came out on Netflix Friday. So there was a lot of impressions and things that I started seeing on 
various social media platforms. And I was pretty hyped for this. I was like, oh man, this is Charlie Kaufman doing this kind of psychological horror movie. Yeah, I'm I'm all in, boy. And a lot of the people, like my letterboxed friends and people on Twitter are really hyping it up. So I, I was pretty pretty amped up for this. And I gotta say, I'm right there with you, unfortunately. It just wasn't it just wasn't doing it for me. And this is one of these movies where I feel like a lot of people are praising it when in fact they feel like it's just something that they should be doing. Like I'm supposed to like this, right? So I'm going to say that I'm going to say that this is like a genius work of genius, but well, and I also wondered too, given, given our circumstances, you know, with everything that's happening in the world and where we are, you know, being stuck in the house and stuff and, you know, not wanting to go out because of a deadly pandemic that, you know, could kill you and your loved ones. Uh, I wonder how much that plays into it. Like just, yes, I like it. You know, <laughs> I don't have a whole lot going on in the outside world. So yeah, I like this. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I thought about this too. And I, I, I'm, I'm thinking like sort of, at least for me, I, I sort of feel the opposite where this movie is so morose and so depressing that like, I'm, I'm feeling like this is not what I need right now. I don't need a movie about, you know, this, this guy who is thinking about killing himself and, you know, reliving his life and all of this, this stuff. Like that, that's just not sort of what I'm in the market for right now. So I'm, I'm also wondering like how much where I'm at mentally, how much that plays into what I took away from this movie and my, my opinions on it. Now, I think that, that Kaufman does do some, some interesting things here. It's not all bad. I liked moments of it, but I think just overall, I, found it to be as you said pretty grating like i a, a lot of people are talking about like oh you got to rewatch it you got to you catch you catch all this extra stuff when you rewatch it all these like little clues and hints and things and i'm just like i can't imagine rewatching this like i uh, there's no way no way i'm going to sit through this again and i think the thing i like there's a part of me that appreciates that there's this open to interpretation thing as to like the young woman played by Jesse Buckley, mm-hmm. especially at the like, end, would, like it would you know would it like is she just an amalgamation of all of these things from his childhood or from his life throughout you know between the books and the poetry and everything? So a lot of what she does is just you know regurgitating things. I never exist. Yeah, I I never got the sense that she was real. Like I I thought that she was an amalgamation of what he longed for, like what he wanted in his life, like the life, yeah. the life he could have had. That's sort of what I, how I interpreted it. But that's, that, that is the great thing. Like there's, there's a lot of takeaways from this movie. There's a lot of things that you can discuss and sort of try to pick apart and dive into yeah. when it, when it comes to how, how you interpret this movie. But I think for me is, there's no point in that. Like there's, you know, like to what end? Right. Like how, like that's not a fruitful thing for me to, you know, try and question this person that doesn't exist 
in someone's mind that also doesn't exist. I like, there's just no point to it for me. And the thing, I think the thing that got me the most is I think what I wanted more from this movie is I wanted some more like a, a more heartfelt tenderness to it. There's a bit too much like quirky comedy for me that I think undermines a lot of what this movie's trying to do. Because a whole lot of the, you know, visiting the parents is that, where it's like quirky, things aren't quite right. And it just, it, to me, it felt like it just undermined the entire thing. And then I, to go through that kind of escapade and then to try and come out on the other side of like, okay, now we're getting into emotions and this man's life. And it's just like, no, I don't think so. It doesn't work. I don't think it doesn't work for me. Yeah. I think if you made, if it was more earnest, more serious and yeah, maybe a little bit more sentimental rather than having the kind of odd, uh, comedy, dark, dark humor in there. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that there would have been some more like emotional resonance with it, but yeah, like at the end when things start to to wrap up and you see where things are going, uh, I I didn't really feel any kind of emotional heft from it. Like I I wasn't connected to any of the characters f- from the beginning, so I didn't really have that kind of resonance with what was playing out. Now I will say that I did enjoy the I did enjoy the the quirky moments with Tony Collette and David Thewlis because they're amazing and I want Tony yeah, Tony, oh, yeah. Tony Collette just needs an Oscar just give her the damn Oscar already because she, she, she's great <laughs> she's great in this Jesse Plemons who plays Jake he's great in this too um, I wish him all the best as well he he deserves an amazing career and you know, I like so, some of the stuff I thought was kind of fun. I, I liked the the whole movie within the movie thing that they did there for a moment, even though I feel like they lingered on it a little bit too long. I liked the whole Robert Zemeckis thing. I thought that was really funny. I, I learned that the the the, the, the Robert Zemeckis thing. I, I just saw Netflix uh, send out a tweet today that said that they that Charlie Kaufman didn't include a name of the director or anything in the script. So the, uh, the editor, the supervising editor just added that as a placeholder and he thought it was hilarious. So he reached out to Robert Zemeckis and got permission to use that. It was, it's actually the end credits of the movie contact. (laughs) I do have to say that like, and I think a big thing that turned me off completely, like maybe I would have, I would have hung in there if not for the end. Because not only do I not, I didn't really like the way that it, it wrapped up or where it went, but it also got the movie aesthetically just got very ugly at the end to me. It just looked awful, which I think is like what just soured me completely for everything else. Hmm, interesting. I didn't like th- all the... All the makeup stuff was bad. Oh, like everything that. was just bad. It just looks, it looked terrible. It yeah. all looked fucking terrible. Yeah, the, the I I wasn't into that. The whole Oklahoma thing, 
I liked this. I thought that the the scenes at the school looked good, like the outside, like when he's in the truck outside and in the parking lot and stuff. I think that looked fine. I, I liked the idea of using the the uh, I don't know if it was like a four by three aspect ratio. I li- I liked that aspect of it. It was a one three three one aspect ratio. So yeah, I liked that. Um, I, I think that. For me, the end, which is obviously the the big point of contention for a lot of conversations, uh, the the tonal shift that it takes, I uh, really just wasn't on board with it at that point because I feel like it just didn't it didn't fit, at least for me. Now, also, I think it should be noted that this is based on a novel by Ian Reed, and I didn't I didn't read the novel. I know that it's sort it's. it's pretty close to the movie i think i i'm pretty sure it's about a guy who's reliving like or like thinking about his life before he decides to commit suicide my wife read the book and she says that it's nothing like the book okay (laughs) (laughs) but she did read it a while ago but from her memory the book was much darker hmm I'm wondering if uh, if the book had more to do with like the suicide aspect than the like relationship aspect, because it seems like yeah, the whole re- it seems like the whole relationship aspect is something that's like that Charlie Kaufman is definitely something that he likes to explore in, yeah. his, in his movies. And I think that's what that's what kind of put me at a distance because you know right from the outset that she's not real. And you're just like, I, I don't know, you know, there's, there's no intrigue there for me because I'm like, okay, she's just a, like a collection of things Well, that he's read. Yeah. I, well, I wasn't sure from the on, I didn't really, it really wasn't until like, I, I had questions. I'm like, I'm, I was questioning it, but I didn't really kind of make the decision that I thought that she was not real until um, maybe the Pauline Kale thing, like when she started like reciting, because you see that Pauline Kale book, and then when they're talking yeah. about Woman of the Influence, and she, I don't know if I didn't like look it up, but it sounded like that that she was just oh, yeah, reciting no, the Pauline yeah, Kale review of Woman of the Influence, and I'm just like, okay, that that sort of solidified it for me. Now, obviously, there are tons and tons of other little hints and clues earlier like the, the slippers and the in the picture on the wall and all of that other stuff and the the various people who are calling her and all of that and the fact that the fact that she doesn't have a name like the fact that she's yeah, she goes by multiple yeah and it keeps changing and it, again it comes like really the only thing that you have is like okay is this woman made up of like all the failed relationships in his life or is it just Again, a collection of things that he's read, you know, pulling kale, that type of thing. Or, you know, is this is like him rehashing this, like visiting the family? Is that like that an important moment in his life that he fucked up somehow? And he's constantly replaying it before his death. Like, but to me, like, there's just no point to any of that. Like, I'm not interested in parsing what the situation is. Well, I think that's the thing with, like, with movies that are, 
abstract enough that there's a, a lot of room for interpretation, there has to be that initial hook, that initial like baseline premise that would result in you wanting to, you know, decompress yeah, it like and the, the, dive into it. The puzzle need the puzzle needs to be welcoming. You know, the, the all the all of the the facets of the puzzle need to be welcoming in order for me to be like, okay, yeah, let me look into this. Let me let me tumble this in my mind a little bit. See what I can come up with. Mm-hmm. But here it's just it, it seems like there's so many possibilities and they all are for this lonely janitor that I don't really know anything about outside of like, but again, memory is not, it's not solidified. So I don't know, like these memories that we're going through, like they could all be completely fake. It just could be a fabrication. It's just, it's not a welcoming puzzle to me. I'm just not interested. For for me, it was just a little. It was just too dry. Like it, it really, I really struggled to stay connected with this as it was progressing. I mean, I did. even even like that opening scene where you're you just they're they're in the car for like I don't know fifteen minutes or something, and just having this conversation. Like the conversation yeah. itself was not hooking me. Like I was not engaged yeah. in their conversation. Well, and I think that's a big. That's the biggest issue for me, I think, is that it's just so dialogue heavy. And again, you're undermining most of it with this quirky comedy bits. I mean, I did like some of like the visual aspects of like when she goes down into the basement and looks up and it's like snowing inside. Like I could have used like some more of that. Like things to just throw me off a little bit, visually speaking, mm-hmm. like- instead of trying to throw me off with dialogue. I liked the dog, Jimmy. Yeah, good dog. Jim, Jimmy was great, and uh, I liked the the animation. Is there a rule now where like there's got to be animation and everything? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, doing lobbying work for animators. <laughs> you, like you're in every documentary now. For I don't know for what fucking reason, but you're in all documentaries. Mm-hmm. And now you're just slipping in the in the narrative film too. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm really glad that it's it seems to be making a, a strong connection with a lot of people. I think that that's great. I think that any any movie that evokes this much discussion and thought is a good thing. But just on a sort of basic level, it didn't. It really just didn't connect with me, unfortunately. Any final thoughts on I'm thinking of any things? I'm probably going to have to put a spoiler warning ahead at the beginning of this just because it, it it's weird because like you would think that, but at the same time, like the movie spoils itself like immediately. At least I thought as soon as she looks up and he's in the apartment and he's saying the stuff and then he's talking about, you know, all oh, the kids do it at school every year. You're like, okay, he's the janitor. Gotcha. None of this, none of this is real. None of this. There's no reason for any of this. So that's great that we got that. You know, we threw that on a table. Fifteen minutes in, I still got an hour and forty-five minutes left. Yeah, that was the other thing. Is I, I felt like it was a little bit too long. Like it's just it overstayed its welcome a little bit. I think it, they could have truncated it 
truncated some of those car ride conversations down a bit. This fucking windshield wipers. Oh God. I, I did like, actually I, I like the windshield wiper thing because they, how they would keep the sound going when they would cut to the janitor, you'd still be able to hear the windshield wipers going. I liked that. Okay. All right. I did watch this with my dad. My dad's visiting. And <laughs> he hated it, didn't he? Did he? <laughs> he just did not. He was just like not under. He, <laughs> he really struggled with it. He did. I could just imagine. He was really excited, Your dad too. Fuming. Just fucking fuming. He, he was really. Mountain. He was really excited to watch this, too. And boy, was he let down. <laughs> Because he's got that, like, tea kettle frustration <laughs> yeah. that just builds, that, that it just fucking whistles. Oh, man, I wish I was there. I, but I can, I can see it. I can see it. I can visualize it in my head. And that visualization is so much better than I'm thinking of ending things. At, at the end, he just goes, explain it to me. I can see the look on his face too. Oh, and that little gas, <laughs> that little expression that he does. <laughs> yeah, there were there were several moments during the movie that he was just. I, I looked over and he's just staring at me with that <laughs> with that look. <laughs> oh, I miss watching a movie with him. <laughs> yeah, it was that that made it a little more entertaining. All right, let's go yeah. ahead and uh, give this a score, Kevin. What are you going to give? I'm thinking of ending things. Oh man, uh, like a five. I'm. Hmm, this is a tough one. I think that I'm kind of right down the middle as well. So I'm like maybe five, five and a half for this. Yeah. Again, yeah. I, I'm glad yeah. that I'm glad that it is really connecting with a lot of people, and I hope that it connects with you there's certainly a lot to unpack with this movie there's a lot of secrets and little things and i think that yeah it's the it's the type of movie that you either get a lot out of it or you don't get anything and unfortunately i'm in sort of the latter category yeah all right let's move on and talk about someone we're watching on the watch list uh kevin i think we'll start with you this week Oh boy! Well, I watched a lot of bad stuff. So solid, nice. A lot of bad decisions, <clears throat> um, and just a lot of like just you know slapping on Netflix and be like, all right, let's watch this. Let's go for it. First thing you pick, and one of those was Cabin Fever. All right. So you're thinking, oh, Kevin watched Eli Roth's Cabin Fever. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's what I thought I watched. I didn't. Apparently, they remade this movie. What? So, I, I, I watched the remake, which is apparently, like, just a full-on, like, very close to shot for shot. Just same thing. Oh, yeah. Um, I forgot that they did this. Which, I didn't that they did that, because I thought Eli Roth's movie was relatively new. Yeah, 2002 was the original one, and the remake was 2016. Yeah. yeah. 
So not sure why they did this. Um, I know from this movie that I don't, I don't need to see the first one. I'm fine. Um, but there is a part of me that's curious because the dialogue in this movie is just, it's really bad. It's just awful. Right. And I am wondering if it's the same dialogue from the original. I doubt um, it. Because it's just, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. And a lot of the dialogue just seems like excuses to have sex scenes at just very weird times, like in the middle of like people dying <laughs> and just overall, like everything's bad. Right. But they decide like, Hey, this is a good spot for a sex scene. So let's do that. Which just it, like the whole thing is ridiculous. It's just really stupid. It's awful. The acting is awful. Uh, the only thing that is good is like, the effects work, like the gore, it's really good. It's disgusting. Like, it's just a lot of skin falling off and just a lot of blood. People coughing up blood and just oozing blood and all sorts of stuff. And it's disgusting. But just everything else is just atrocious. Yeah, I don't know why they made the decision to, to remake that movie. It's bizarre. And there's one time, like, Early on, like the, the two people are like they're swimming in the lake or whatever. This is before, before everything goes to shit. You know, they're swimming in the lake. They're talking to each other, doing a little bit of flirting, and it's just intercut with the other couple having sex. But for, like for really, like it'll just go back to them and just show them having sex for like a minute, and then it cuts back to the other couple, and it does that like two or three times. And then moves on with the movie, and it's like, okay, that was that was an excuse for some nudity. That was weird. And then later on, the same woman is like, everything's gone to to hell. Everyone's dying. Everyone's getting affected. And she's like, oh, this is awful. This is the type of situation like the plane's going down. Everyone knows the plane is going down, and all you want to do is grab the guy next to you and fuck his brains out. And there's, of course, the guy standing there, and he's like, okay. He's like, his ears perk up a little bit, and he's like, I, I, all right. And then there's just a sex scene. Like, there's two people have sex for some reason. And you're just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, I don't remember any of that happening in the original one, so... <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying you should go out and watch the original one. Because I'm sure that, like... The overall narrative is still the same, but yeah, that, that's unfortunate that <laughs> that, that happened. It's, it's, it's so bad. All right, and that is the 2016 Cabin Fever. Avoid that on Netflix and don't get fooled like Kevin. I'm always getting fooled. You're 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 why like the asylum exists. I know, <laughs> I know. And it's only because of streaming services. I see the little thing, and I'm like, oh yeah, all right. Uh, all right, I saw The Five Rules of Success. This is directed by Orson Oblowitz. This is a Fantasia Festival movie. This was the last one that I that I watched. It is pretty a pretty good sort of gritty uh, story about this guy who it gets out of prison on parole and decides that he is going to use these like these five rules that he sort of 
came up with when he was in prison, and he's going to use these five rules to change his life and be a success. And he starts off getting a job as a delivery person at this restaurant and then starts to work his way up with the ultimate goal being to own his own restaurant. And it's like, it's the type of movie where you know that things are not going to end well for this guy, but you still, he he's an inherently sympathetic character. Like he's a likable character. So you, you want him to succeed. You want to see him, you know, make it and you just know like just the the tone of the movie you know that just horrible things are going to happen so it's a it's a good movie it's it's at times a tough watch um but i would i would definitely recommend it orson oblowitz is uh he he did this movie trespassers that came out a couple years ago and I really hated it, but he also did the Queen of Hollywood Boulevard, which I didn't see, but um, I heard sort of mixed things about that as well. Um, the style of Rules of Success are it's it's got sort of a unique style to it. Lots of strobing in it, though. There's a, there is like a strobe warning at the beginning of the movie. Um, it's not like overwrought with strobes. It, it it it's done in a sort of they pace the strobing, so it's not like overwhelming. But uh, yeah, um, I would say check maybe a light recommend when whenever this this comes out. Uh, the five rules of success. There's definitely a lot of so there's there's some social commentary in there as well. And uh, the the only problem I had with it mainly was like what happens at the end seems sort of shoehorned in it didn't seem like a natural progression it seemed a little strange the the motivations of the characters like it, like i just wasn't buying what happened at the end but yeah other than that it's pretty good again it's called the five rules of success i too watched a movie where a guy was released from prison and that guy was nicholas cage oh boy and the movie is a score to settle 2019, directed by Sean Koo, who is the guy that directed Beautiful Boy, which I found out afterwards. I was pretty sure, like, you know, because this is kind of a standard Nicolas Cage uh, straight-to-VOD type movie that, uh, you know, is probably just directed by some random person. But no, it's like an actual director. So that was interesting to learn. Uh, so Nicholas Cage plays a, a mob enforcer and, uh, he takes the rap for something that he didn't do to protect his boss. And he, he ends up serving 22 years in prison for it. And the only reason he's getting out is because he has some sort of weird disease where, uh, like he can't sleep. He's got insomnia real bad. And they tell him like before they let him out of prison, they're like, Hey, Nick, you need to sleep, buddy. Like you got to do it. You're gonna die. You're gonna start hallucinating. All sorts of weird shit's gonna happen. And he's like, "Yeah, all right, whatever." And of course, he doesn't sleep. He wants to get revenge. He's got a score to settle. It's in the title. So he, as soon as he gets out, he meets up with his son, and he he decides that he's gonna they're gonna live it up. He's gonna make up for all the years that he wasn't there for his son. So he goes back to his house. 
he digs up all his money that he got for taking the, you know, taking the rap for this crime. And he decides to go back and take out the members of his, uh, of his mob one by one, you know, cause he's got a, he's got a score to settle. If you remember that. And, uh, it's, I was really kind of hoping for, you know, ridiculousness. Um, there is some of that within the story. It's pretty, pretty stupid. Because <laughs> uh, some people might not actually be real people, you know, mm-hmm. because he has the insomnia thing. Yeah. So you get to play with that because he won't sleep. He's not doing it. He decides to do everything. He re- decides to do all of his revenge um, when he should be sleeping. So, like, throughout the day, he's just doing day-to-day stuff, you know, getting lunch, getting having drinks, meeting up with people, chit-chatting. Um, and then, like, when it's bedtime, he's like, oh, yeah, got to do my revenge stuff. So he doesn't get any sleep. And, of course, they get to play with that a little bit. But Nicolas Cage never really goes off the rails. Like, I'm kinda, I kind of want him to, you know? Uh, a little bit at the end. He has some good line delivery. Um, essentially, the, he's going after someone, and the person says that they have beef. And Nicholas Cage does not agree that what they have is beef. He doesn't think that that's the right word for it. And that's when he kind of goes off the rail, Cage style. Oh, you know, bring it. <laughs> he, he doesn't like. He doesn't, he doesn't think that label beef is strong enough. So he. he you know, he dresses them down in typical cage style. So that was kind of, that was kind of a uh, fun, but overall it's just, it's, uh, it's just very mediocre. Mm, yeah. It looks like it. I see a, a letterboxed review here from wounded kite that says needed more score settling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he doesn't, he doesn't settle a lot of scores. All right. Uh, I saw a movie called The Owners, which came out on VOD this weekend. Uh, this is directed by Julius Berg. It's a home invasion thriller where you follow a group of young people who decide to break into the local doctor's home. It's this like rich elderly doctor in their town lives in this really large mansion in the in the countryside and they're like he, he's got money he's, he's got a safe in there it's got a bunch of money in it we're gonna we're gonna change our lives so they break in and a lot of infighting occurs a lot of like so they can't get into the safe safe is like a combination lock and the one guy thought that it was like an electronic lock originally and so they can't get into the mm-hmm. safe so they decide that they're gonna wait for the for the doctor and his wife to come home and sort of scare them into opening the safe and threaten them and obviously nothing goes right for them and uh turns out this doctor and his wife have some secrets some dark secrets held within mm. the walls of this house and what transpires is a deadly game of cat and mouse Oh boy. This stars Maisie Williams in uh one of her one of her role post Game of Thrones roles. 
and uh you know it, it's okay it's not it, there's some clever things that happen in this i have a written review up on the site for this uh there there's a lot of stuff that i did like about it including the makeup effects like the the gore effects that are in this are really well done really really well done um some it's not like overly violent or anything but what when it does turn violent it looks very real and disturbing so definitely bonus points for the practical effects in this uh, the, the big issues I had with this came at the end when sort of the big reveal happens. I was a little underwhelmed by that. I found it to be a little trite, but overall, uh, it was a pretty good time. I mean, looking at this and comparing it with other similar films like Don't Breathe, I think that Don't Breathe certainly does it better. There was a, a movie that came out a couple years ago called Villains, or maybe like a year ago. I don't, I don't, I don't have any concept of time anymore, but... That movie sort of did it better too, so this is like sort of on the on the lower end of these like reverse home invasion movies where the protagonists are the people invading the home. But uh, yeah, overall, this maybe maybe very very <clears throat> light. I recommend on the owners. Okay, all right. My last one is also a light recommend, and that's a Ghost Stories from twenty seventeen. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This actually wasn't wasn't that bad. Threw this one a whim because I thought I remember people saying relatively good things about this movie. I think you included. Indeed. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. I did like this one. Yeah. And I think as far as like horror anthologies go, this one worked well for me. In the sense that I like this setup where there's this professor who like his whole job is debunking mm-hmm. all of these supernatural things, you know, these ghost stories. So he gets this kind of this job of here's three ghost stories that I couldn't debunk. Best of luck to you. You jerk. Try and debunk them. And then it goes, you know, case one, case two, case three. And I like that setup because I love the fact that like none of the cases really, they, they don't get resolved. It just goes on to the next case. And then all the cases are resolved at the end. Like that, like the wraparound thing involves all three of the shorts. Right. Yeah. Which there's... I thought worked pretty well. Yeah. There, there's a lot more like connective tissue in all of the individual stories. Yeah. Than, yeah. A, lot, than a lot of anthologies where they're all just very separate. Exactly. Now, I mean, the the way that it's kind of wrapped up in the end there was it didn't 100 percent work for me. But I there was a part of me that appreciated being able to connect all these things Mm -hmm. together. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I thought like individually, like the ghost stories were they were pretty good. They were a little bit creepy. Creeped me out a little bit. I enjoyed this too. Yeah. I, I, I like, like I generally like horror anthologies, but there's just so many, so many of them out there that are mediocre at best. And so when, when one pops up like this, that's, that's strong. I, I really take note of it. Mortuary, yeah, Mortuary Tales I, is one that I really like that came out recently. I, the thing I like about this is that it's, it's an anthology, but not necessarily. 
You know right. what I mean? Like it's it's just a regular movie, but they in turn made like that anthology aspect of it into the movie itself. Yeah, it's 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 more like it's not it's not your traditional. More than, yeah, because that's the issue that I have with a lot of the anthologies that we've seen before is that they're so separate that they're always hit or miss, and you kind of feel like it's just a collection of shorts for no reason. Yeah, yeah. I think I think one one thing that helps mitigate that is to have the same directors be handling all of the the segments, if you will. Then you don't have that sort of disparity between the like aesthetics and tone and all of that and everything sort of has the same style. Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh this is on Hulu. That's where I watched it. Cool. I might I want to rewatch this. Uh it's I want to. I want to give this another look. Maybe around Halloween time. Do it. Yeah, I don't know why we got all of a sudden. We were like, "Hey, let's let's be October and just watch some bad horror movies." It's we the season. Decided to do that. It's the season. Do, you know? do it. Fuck it. Fuck it. Uh, the pumpkin spice is back, so you know. It's a good ex- God, good I, excuse. I, I, I can't get out there and shop for my decorative gourds. Oh no! So I got to do something to pass the time. Can't go out in public getting gourds. What if I get COVID shopping for decorative gourds? That would be an embarrassment. That's a, that's a hellish way to go. How did how did Kevin get COVID? Oh, he was at the local farmers market shopping for decorative gourds. <laughs> <laughs> you uh... fucking imagine. <laughs> Oh my god, that'd be hilarious. Okay, let's take a look at what we have on VOD this week. On the 8th, we have Evil Under the Skin. A mother will do mm. anything for her child. Really, mm-hmm. really awful looking poster there. We have Range Runners, Left for Dead, Back for Vengeance. Range Runners, check it out. We have The Standard, Pushing Limits and Building Bridges at the world's toughest endurance event. Sounds like a documentary. Okay. We have Beats. This is a uh it's a rave movie, I think. Yeah, it takes place in 1994. On the 9th, we have So Much Love to Give. That's going to be on Netflix. On the 11th, we have Red White and Wasted. That's a virtual theatrical release. The documentary that I checked out at I think Tribeca. Or this year, maybe. Uh, it's worth a look. It's about mudding. Mudding. Mudding in Florida. Mudding. Yep. Go mudding. You go mudding this weekend? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, that's all I have for VOD. As always, uh, these calendars are being updated constantly, so check, check them out at filmpulse.net for the latest blu-ray this week we have the alfred hitchcock classics collection this this includes rear window vertigo psycho and the birds four movies 473 minutes 4k there you go four's all four's all around yep yep ghost in the shell 4k release that's the 1995 original it looks like the uh, those Alfred Hitchcock movies are being released individually as well. So if you only want to pick up 
one of them, like Psycho, you can do that. Uh, Superman, Man of Tomorrow, 4K release. That's uh, one of those DC animated movies. Uh, the 2008 Incredible Hulk movie is coming out in 4K. Graveyards of Honor. This is the original 1975 Graveyard of Honor film. And then the 2002 Takeshi Miike remake. Arrow's putting that out. Yeah, First Cow's coming out on Blu-ray. Nice. True History of the Kelly Gang is coming out. I could not get into this movie. I started this movie with plans to cover it for the site, but man, I just couldn't finish it. I was not into couldn't it. Do it. I was not into it. I was, it's weird because I was really excited for that movie. And then like as soon as it came out, my excitement just evaporated. Yeah, I, I, I was, was into like, it. No. Yeah, I, just, I don't know, man. I just could not get into it for whatever reason. Just not grabbing me. Uh, the Rob Zombie trilogy is coming out which includes House of a Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects, and Three from Hell. All right. If you're looking to have a good old, good weekend party, check that out. There you go. Uh, the comic from 1985 is coming out on Arrow. The Big Ugly from earlier this year. Eh, that's pretty much all I have. What about Criterions this week? Criterions, we have two from Jules Dassin. 47's uh, Brute Force, and then 1948's The Naked City. <clears throat> and I just want to pinpoint something here. The Naked City, under special features, both movies have, you know, a slew of special features. But the one bullet point for The Naked City says, footage of director Jules Dassin from a 2004 appearance at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. And I don't, that just, it's humorous to me because I'm just, I just immediately imagine this like short video clip that someone takes from a distance of just him at the art <laughs> just, museum. Just walking by, just walking by, <laughs> looking at some art. Because <laughs> just the way that they put it is like, you know, from an appearance. Like he just appeared at the Museum of Art. Someone got it on their cell phone or something. And there you go. It's like a little five second clip. <laughs> I'd like to think <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> I, think that'd I be really, really hope funny. it is. I want it to be. That's what I want it to be. <laughs> if I get confirmation that that's what it is, I will buy this Blu-ray. <laughs> oh, there you have it. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be incredibly helpful. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.